Sacred Ordinary Days podcast. I'm Jen Giles Kemper, and you can find me at sacredordinarydays.com. And I'm Lacey Clark Elman of asacredjourney.net. For season one, we're journeying together through the liturgical year. So grab a cup of tea or coffee and join us at the table. Hey, Jen. Hi. So Christmas is here, or it will be soon. We are releasing this on December 23rd in the Christmas season, or Christmas Tide, as it's also known. We'll begin tomorrow night with Christmas Eve. Yeah. But first, I want to check in and see how your Advent was. I know we were talking about it just last week here on the podcast. Advent has been great so far. I have found myself already dreaming of some things I want to do next year. And me too. And yet part of me is also feeling torn because I'm like, well, I could kind of start some of that already. Mm -hmm. So it fits with the already, not yet, almost. (laughs) That's it. You're exactly where you should be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? It has been really good for me as well. I think, especially, you know, having released my sacred seasons calendar. And I know you've got your, your planner. And so we've got this on the braid and not only that, but we're having these conversations. And so I feel like it's been a really intentional season for me, both focusing on, on the themes of Advent and also, um, as my family, as my husband and I start to make new traditions as well, which we highlighted a bit in the last episode. So yeah, it feels very good. And I'm also ready, ready for Christmas. I'm I'm finding myself more excited to go into Christmas than I have been in years. And I think it's just because of the space that we're carving out through this conversation and the conversations that are happening in the Facebook group. In years past, it even though I have a church that we walk alongside, in a lot of ways it has felt like kind of we were out there by ourselves doing this. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And just Sundays, you right, right. You connect about it. But yeah, now we're journeying together every single day. And I, I can already feel myself having some more energy around it and some more excitement. And it is definitely affecting my creativity as well. Mm. I, I feel like I can, I have a lens to see possibility here and room for creativity here that I hadn't seen. And so I don't know, I'm really pumped about that part. <laughs> Well, let's start talking about Christmas because I know that is a big place of creativity as well for the both of us. Yeah. Christmas is 12 days. And while, according to the internet, a lot of people know that, I think uh, what a lot of people don't know is that the first day is (laughs) what most of us celebrate is Christmas Uh and that that is not the last day. (laughs) Um, But I'm, I'm excited to think of Christmas as a season Mm, and mm -hmm. not just a day. But it starts in the Western Church on December 25th, which most of us know, and then goes through January 5th right up to Epiphany, which is the 6th. And for Christmas, we decorate in white and gold. And I actually decorate with gold in my home to kind of pick up on some of those Christmas notes even like as we prepare in Advent. And white and gold are what's used for Easter as well. And they symbolize joy and brightness, which I like. It feels very fresh and clean. And needed after Advent. Yes. For sure. After all the dark 
purple, mm-hmm. dark blue, dark sky. Dark days, yeah. Dark days. Dark days in the Northern <laughs> Hemisphere. And most of us are familiar with the traditions of putting up a Christmas tree. And that's how one of the main ways that we mark it. Most of us also give presents and get presents, depending on which you put more emphasis on. (laughs) (laughs) We hang stockings and gathering together is a big part of how we mark the season, whether that's for eating or singing and, of course, giving other presents. And there's a lot of light, which is also um, held up against the darkness of Advent, like we said. And of course, Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And we were also laughing that on Wikipedia and other places on the internet that it talks about all these really neat celebrations, the feast days that are more widely celebrated in the UK. Whereas when it talks about American Christmas, it just talks about consumerism. Wah, wah. <laughs> but so proud. So proud. Um, and the invitation of Christmas is really an invitation to feasting and celebrating. Yeah. And what we're celebrating is that God has fulfilled his promise in sending a savior and sending Jesus. And in the 12 full days of Christmas, what we're celebrating is the life of the incarnated Jesus. There are themes of birth and peace, arrival, fulfillment, as we said. I think generosity is a big one. So, Lacey, what's meaningful to you about celebrating Christmas? I love that it starts with Christmas Eve and these still dark, quiet moments. I feel like that feels very secretive and mysterious and certainly mm-hmm. was not where people expected for Christ to show up. And even though with a Christmas Eve service, I love that stillness and the, you know, the silent night and the candles and the telling of the story. Uh, that also is not necessarily how it happened. I feel like it's important to remember that it was probably smelly in a stable probably painful (laughs) as childbirth is and stressful since that's not probably how they expected it to go. But (laughs) at the same time, I feel like that is a key piece. It's not what they expected and it's not what the larger world at that time expected. And often as God breaks through today, not where we expect. I read this quote a few years back that has stuck with me that the secular is the place of the incarnation and it mm. felt so it almost has to be yeah well exactly because i feel like religion as much life as it brings is structured and so there's not much room for growth and expansion but as you can see you know with the coming of christ that was definitely god pushing the boundaries of mm. what they perceived religion to be and i don't think that was a one time thing i think that's an all-time thing. And with with the Nativity story, we've got the shepherds who were the ones who were there to experience it, not necessarily those in religious life you, you would have thought. And so to me, that shows us that you have to be awake to experience these things. And they were literally awake, but I mean awake 
as the metaphor, looking out, paying attention. And not that you would always be able to see if you're awake or paying attention where God's showing up, but instead you always have that curiosity about you. Where is God showing up? And you notice the places where you might not expect. And so then you start to wonder, what am I missing here? What am I limiting myself and God to here? And so I feel like this encourages us to be humble and receptive so we don't miss the ways God breaks into our lives in the unexpected places and invites us to ponder where those places are. And I think that's the the beauty of cultivating greater presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That presence really is a posture of wakefulness. Mm-hmm. It's a posture of humility and reception. Yeah, and I feel like... Even the word that came to mind as you were saying that was abiding, which resonates too with, you know, the name Emmanuel, God with us, that abiding presence. Another thing I love about Christmas, and it feels like the main theme to me, both of Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then the season to come is this theme of light. And not just Mm -hmm. in church or religion, you know, that Christ is in the light, but in our everyday lives and how Christ becomes that light for us and leads us to that light. And so I feel like Christmas, the Christmas season from Christmas Eve onward is an invitation to pause as we gather together around the light. And if you start to think about mm-hmm. it, you see light in all different ways and different levels. We've got, you know, the obvious light of the tree, the fire, the, the lights outside the house, and we have the light of our faith, which is what we explore on Christmas Eve. If you read the nativity story and um, follow throughout the Christmas season the story of Christ. And then something I want to highlight is the light of togetherness, and that's something that we you know, naturally associate with Christmas, coming together for feasting, for presents, as you had said before. But to me, that's also a place of not just community, but communion and with God being a Trinitarian God. And we see a part of that relationship happening through the birth of Christ, that the true spark happens in relationship. That's where God truly exists. And we encounter God in, in relationship, whether it's between us and God, between you and me, between our family members as we we gather together. And so Mm. that's something, I mean, that is a new new thing for me to articulate, and I look forward to keeping that light in mind as we transition. I really appreciate that picture of the external mirroring the internal, which I think is a big part of what you and I are, how we're learning to see and Mm -hmm. how we approach um, our calling, but I also really appreciate, um, your highlighting the value of that light of togetherness, as you put it, that, that relationship, I think that's also why for so many people, they experience continued darkness Mm, mm -hmm. or maybe even acute darkness Mm -hmm. in, in the season of Christmas. And it's because they are keenly aware, made to be aware this is a season meant to be celebrated together, that the fullness of the season is in the sharing of the good news. Yeah. Yeah. The sharing of the good news. And 
So when you are missing people to share your life with, people to share light with, maybe people to share their light with you, um, you feel it. Yeah. You feel its absence. Yeah. And I want to emphasize at least that that, even though it's not a good feeling, it comes from a good place. And it's and a good. It's a gift. And so that in itself, even though it feels like the light is absent, that desire is that spark, that light that comes from God and hopefully draws us into community in one way or another. You know, I think that's true for a lot of pain that while not all pain, but I think so much pain that we do experience is really just an acute awareness of the absence of a good thing and, and to see it in that light transform that acute awareness, which we name pain Mm -hmm. as a gift itself, as well as what it points us toward. What about you, Jen? What's meaningful to you about Christmas? For me, I'm approaching how I think about and engage with Christmas a little bit differently this year. I feel like so much of the um, traditions that we've talked about and even the practices of hanging stockings and giving gifts, and um, I feel like I'm kind of finding my rhythm Mm -hmm. with those things, finding the wax and the wane and some years we focus more time and energy and money on those things than other years. And I've, like I said, I feel like I've kind of find my, found my way a little bit. But what is coming up for me in Christmas this year started with all of our conversations together about Advent here on the podcast and, and in the Facebook group, actually. I feel like I have more creativity and the eyes to see things about the possibility in these seasons that just had not been present to me before had been veiled almost. And that is that I am really approaching Christmas as a student. Christmas Mm -hmm. is my teacher (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I am going to be doing my best to be a good, watchful, receptive student of Christmas and hoping that it teaches me what it looks like to celebrate. Yeah. And to celebrate for 12 days. Yes. Yes. As, as we celebrate Christmas for 12 days, I, I think there's something there that I can take forward as I'm figuring out how to celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, baby showers and weddings, um, those high points. I'm hoping that I can pick up some good things, including um, creating space, which, you know, there's Advent leading up to Christmas and a time of preparation. And I, I don't know, I'm wondering if maybe I should give myself some seasons of marked preparation for birthdays and such as well. Well, and I feel like that's the pause of Christmas, as we've talked about, I think, in Advent and with waiting. In the same way, these these seasons, their invitations, they we we dwell in them at the season at hand, and then they teach us for the future, just as you said, to have Christmas and the celebration of Christmas be your teacher for that. Absolutely. You know, a lot of what we've talked about that is meaningful for us revolves around practices, which 
makes usually, sense. Usually, yes. <laughs> usually. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think it's funny to give it that name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense in the context of this conversation, but we don't usually think of it that way broadly, more yeah. broadly speaking. So in the Essentials Workbook, which you can find at sacredordinarydays.com slash podcast and download, you'll find that each season, including Christmas, has a practice for you to start by envisioning how you want to embody that season in the six main areas of your life. And then at the end, reflecting and resetting. You heard us at the beginning of the episode reflecting on our advents. So now at the beginning of Christmas, we invite you to envision spirit, body, mind, relationships, home, and work. And just start by choosing some things that you want to play with, whether they are things that you have heard us mention, that you hear from other people in the Facebook group, or even just starting with what you've grown up with. And then moving forward with that. So what about you, Lacey? How do you mark Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? What are you playing with? I think, and I mentioned this a bit earlier that, you know, that urge to pause. And and so that's one of the ways I do mark it. And you can throw that in the work bucket. I have been intentional about taking time off from Christmas Eve through either New Year's or through epiphany, depending on what's going on in my work and in my life at the time. And so that, to me, is, is essential. And I know I know that might not be an option for everyone, but I certainly encourage you to find ways to pause, even if it's just moments throughout your day. And with the pausing, to me, comes the gathering together. And so, you know, growing up, it was through a Christmas Eve service and um, through my family celebration of opening presents, feasting, etc. And I'm also looking toward what that will be for my new family that I'm creating with my husband. I think we talked about it a bit in Advent, how we mark St. Nicholas Day. And then we do the rest of our gift giving with Epiphany. And we'll talk about that when that season comes. But I feel like, you know, it's like if you had toys, for example, or blocks on a table and all in the middle on Christmas Day. And I feel like we just put our hands there and spread them, <laughs> spread them to the edges. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is clearing the space for for the deeper celebration, for naming and recognizing and experiencing the light beyond what what our culture calls Christmas. And to me, that is feasting, you know, literally. We don't meet, eat meat often, and when we do, we try to be intentional about how it's sourced. And so I have this vision of, you know, we do ham on Easter, turkey on Thanksgiving that, you know, might be a a roast, a traditional, like, English roast with Yorkshire pudding and, and everything. We, I've been reading <laughs> A Christmas Carol, so I've been envisioning these things in my mind as I've read. But I feel like you know, when it's something so rare, it's it heightens the feast, the celebration, something to look forward to. And so then savoring, I feel like, is a big part to me. And not only savoring the food, but savoring the togetherness, whether it's around the table or around the fire or out on a walk on a cool winter's day. And then 
of course, drawing near to the light, which I talked about before. And so that's the light of the story, the light of the decorations. And I think also as we share this experience together in the light of relationship, our our own delights, those are our own sparks within each one of us. And so I feel like though we might not often think of it that way, that's another way to to draw close to God and to one another when we celebrate, as you've been saying, uh, what we each love to do. I think it's a way of holding vigil with one another too, to, to notice and pay attention to one another's delights. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. I feel, I Sorry. feel so. And then that, I mean, that's reflected in gift giving too. Absolutely. What about you, Jen? How do you mark Christmas Eve and Christmas day? We start Christmas Eve with a service, the same as you guys. And that's a little bit different every year as sometimes we're at home here in Waco and other times we're with family, different places. And of course, each of their churches approaches the service differently. And I think one thing that I am trying to navigate and figure out how to do is how to hold hold some things for Grant and I mm-hmm. as special and sacred that that we want to have consistent markings of these days. We also take a really deep breath around Christmas Eve and even through the new year. Mm. I like that way of phrasing it, a deep breath. A deep a deep, deep breath. Mm. And, um, like you guys, we (laughs) take all the blocks, all the expectations, (laughs) all the hopes, all the plans, and, um, are trying to find ways to still have them on the table, but clear them back a bit to create space for that pause, for that deep breath, and to create space for the practices that we want to hold dear while still holding space and living with some grace and some love um, towards the hopes and expectations and longings that other people we love um, want to share with us. I think it's, it's pretty cool to have people want to share different moments with you. And as neat as that is, and as wonderful as, as it is to have people who want to share their lives with you, it's equally difficult to, to hold those together. And I know that for uh, my family, my family of origin, um, our Christmas meal together has been that traditional English roast with Yorkshire pudding that you mentioned, actually. <laughs> I'll come to that Christmas yeah. meal. And that Done. has been <laughs> so fun for me. That's only been um, since my brother and I were in college and sort of adults. <laughs> And so that's a pretty new thing that we've started, but I love it. And we also have been trying to approach present giving and receiving with a little bit more care and intentionality. Um, It is hard, right? It's hard to give and get presents Mm -hmm. well. (laughs) And for it to be such a big part of the season for so many people, it's, it's important to learn how to do well. Um, I know for for Grant and I, we love shared experiences also, as, as you mentioned, but we also love a lot of people 
for whom a tactile thing that you can unwrap and open, that is their most favorite. Um, And so my hope is to learn how to lean in with some more vulnerability and grace into those gift-giving moments because I think that's also a place of incredible vulnerability. What a gift is saying is, this is how well I know you. And, you know, you're, as you're giving someone a gift, what you're hoping to say is, I know you, I see you, I love you. Yeah. It's not just like, I know your hobbies or interests, but I know your heart. Right. So as you're transitioning to that dreaming beyond moment, what are the things that you're dreaming of having a part of your Christmas celebration in the future? Well, I feel first off, because we have waited during Advent, uh, we really mark each day of the Christmas season with celebration and intention. And so all of the stuff we waited for while culture was saying, you know, sing this, you know, get this, celebrate this all, Mm -hmm. you know, putting Christmas to the side as we, as we wait and enter those, those quiet places. Now we bring all those things out. And so all the music that I'd put off until now, all the movies, um, even the times of, you know, playing games and togetherness. I feel like this is, this is the time for that, Mm -hmm. those 12 days. And so my, my hope is that it's a time in which I lose track of time. That would be the perfect, I think, vision of a Christmas Mm. season for me, losing track of time as we, as we gather around the light. And so what, are there any specific music or movies or games that you're really looking forward to? Oh, well, I mean, well, I have kind of stuck with even just the, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, those kind of low, how a rose are blooming songs. And so um, I'm excited to get out the records, the old records I have on the record player and just put them on and really bask in that. And even, I mean, the movies, I've, I've got a good collection. <laughs> There's, I mean, I love the family stone. I yep. love, you know, I, I think I, I have those classics, those, um, claymation ones, but I don't pick them from the from the <laughs> shelf. I get out the holiday instead. So even just those cozy cozy nights on the couch um, with hot chocolate in hand and and a blanket that to me sounds like eggs. That's that's my introverted feasting. <laughs> I love that. It, it is delicious. <laughs> yeah, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is having people over. Um, we we haven't done as much of that lately, as I said. And I miss hosting. I love having people in our home and I love cooking together. I'm really looking forward to setting aside some time for that with some new friendships that we have forming. In fact, we're even um, going to have dinner with some new friends tonight. And I am also really looking forward to intentionally not taking down any of the Christmas decorations and even adding some new things. Um, so we've got purple pillows on the couch right now, and I'm excited to, to pull out some, uh, my favorite white blanket and mm-hmm. I've got my eye on a couple of, that'll be your snow in it's Texas. true because there won't be any real snow. That's for sure. <laughs> and, um, I have a couple pillows that do have some gold in them on my Christmas wish wish list. Mm -hmm. And so 
I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping just yeah, to add some of those into our uh-huh. living room. And then, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing some traveling. And so we'll be, um, with Grant's family all snuggled up in a cabin. Well, I don't know about all snuggled up. Um, everybody but me will be <laughs> skiing, I think, but, um, uh-huh. I'm excited to, I don't know, figure out what celebrating, like I said, celebrating looks like and doing some actual mapping out of what it would look like to celebrate my people well. Yeah. So yeah. I like that. I'm, I feel like something that we've found for us as we look at the 12 days and wonder how we might like to celebrate um, is there's a few feast days in there, holy days as well, that offer a great framework. And the first one we started with is um, December 26th is the Feast of St. Stephen, and it's known as Boxing Day as oh. well in, in many countries. And so, and they're actually kind of associated. Um, St. Stephen was the first Christian mm-hmm. martyr, um, but there's these in churches often there's this box kind of devoted to him. And so it was for almsgiving, giving to the poor. And so traditionally boxing day was about employers boxing up, um, you know, food, et cetera, things um, for their employees to give them a little, maybe that's the source of a Christmas bonus. (laughs) I don't know. But um, I think that's a great time to, to give to others ourselves. And so we've kind of used that as our end of year giving and, look through and select, have a set amount that we want to give and select a few different people or places where we want to send that. I'm really also looking forward to really streamlining our house and giving away the things that we're not using, um, which I do pretty often. I mean, our friends would say that I do that all the time, but um, I'm really craving some simplicity and and doing some of that extra intentionally Mm -hmm. right now. So you'll be boxing you'll be up. Physically literally. boxing stuff up. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm also trying to figure out what we can do in this next year, like physically, that we can be a part of. So the World Hunger Relief Farm is mm-hmm. here in Waco. And I'm going to check out some ways to go out there and get muddy, yeah. something that's beyond just giving money. Um and mm-hmm. that's a total departure yeah. from my norm. I'm not a hang out in muddy boots kind of girl. Well, normally. that would be a fun thing to do together as a family. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I was saying earlier that the next day, December 27th, is the feast day of St. John, which kind of calls to mind sharing the good news. And so I feel like a good way to practice spreading the good news is serving others. And so Absolutely. even going out to serve serve on that farm would be the perfect way to to bring that to to life not just for for yourself but for for those around you as well. Yeah, and you were also um I'm really excited to hear about the commemoration of Holy Innocence. This is totally new to me. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, it's new to me too. I just learned about it in my research for the calendar, which all three of these days, you can um, read a bit more about them in the um, book. I think it's called Living Living the Liturgical Year or the, Living the Christian Year. I'll put a, put a link so you guys can find it. And we mentioned it last time as well. But um, 
the commemoration of the Holy Innocents, and that is directly tied to, you know, the nativity story. It is um, recognizing those who, children who were killed as Herod was looking for Jesus. And so I feel like that calls to, it's traditionally, you know, what people have done to mark that is they've let the youngest child kind of rule for the day and Mm -hmm. choose what you do. So that's a, a fun way to recognize and celebrate the innocence around us. Um, but at the same time, I think uh, in in our current circumstances in the world, it's a good opportunity to, in continuing that line of, of service and of giving, to recognize those who are experiencing unjust violence in, in the world and the innocent lives that are affected or lost. And so I think there's two ways, both equally valuable to, to mark that day. And tell us about how all three of these feast days kind of relate to one another, because the comparison that you were drawing as we were preparing to record was new to me. Yeah. Well, and this, this is what I found out in this book that I had had, I had read living the Christian years that it's, three feasts of martyrdom. And so St. Stephen is someone who was willing to be martyred and was martyred. St. John was someone who was willing but wasn't. And then the commemoration of the Holy Innocents recognizes those who weren't even at the point to be willing and yet were martyred. And so really, you know, martyrdom is a symbol for us to contemplate how we will inhabit our faith just as Christ inhabited the world, um, which is making manifest the kingdom of God. So, so, so powerful. Yeah. And so new, so new to me. Like I look forward to the Christmas season this year just because of this added Mm -hmm. richness. That makes sense. And we've got one more feast day, right? January 1st. Absolutely. We, so most of us celebrate New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Um, and January 1st is also the holy name of Jesus. And it commemorates Jesus presented at the temple, circumcised and named. They talk about it in Luke two thirty one, which this whole thing was foretold to Mary in Luke one thirty one, and to Joseph in a dream in Matthew one twenty one. So we're sharing some of those you know, scripture reference details with you specifically to say that church history and the tradition of, of holding these feast days are rooted in scripture and, and yet, um, continue to continue to evolve. Um, and I know for us on New Year's Eve, we don't have any glam parties that we're attending, although I love <laughs> any occasion to get all glammed up and would love to have an excuse to see Grant in a tux more often for sure. Um, <laughs> but New Year's Eve and even just a couple of days around the first part of the year, I really do set aside um, for doing some reflection and planning. Yeah. And for me, I'm using um, something that's also in the Essentials Workbook, and that is um, the part about 
creating a rule of life. And so I'll be sharing more about that in the epiphany episode. Um, but that practice of crafting a rule of life and continuing to revisit it year by year is for me so much richer than, um, you know, new year's, what do you call it? I'm totally blinking. Resolution. So much, so much more powerful than, (laughs) um, so much more powerful than choosing a new year's resolution or even a new year's intention or goal. Um, because it's, it's more embodied and day to day rather than just about Mm -hmm. the end thing. Yeah. Well, and what I love about too, I mean, this, we've talked about pausing and creating space during the Christmas season. Like that's the perfect time to, I know you use language and you're planning to reflect and mm-hmm. reset. And so, you know, it happens over New Year's um, in the the secular calendar. And so that is convenient as we look back on the year and think of the year to come. But even I think with that pause between Christmas and then Epiphany, which we'll get into more next time, is, yes, the best time to think about what we want to guide us in the new year. And the rule of life is one of a great practice to be able to to figure that out. I think for me too, I've been practicing choosing a word for the year mm-hmm. around around New Year's Eve and those few days after Christmas. And I know that's become a popular thing to do. Something that I use, I use Christine Balter's painter of Abbey of the Arts. Her guide, she offers a free mm-hmm. course, and we'll be sure to provide a link to that as well. But she calls it Give Me a Word. So it's not just choosing a year, which is or choosing a word for the year, which is a great practice, but it's actually using the practice of Lexio Divina. So it's a prayerful mm-hmm. process as you sit with what is going on in your life and um, just wait for a word for a word to arrive. And so, yeah, I look forward to doing that over New Year's and sharing that right here when we talk about it. Would you tell us what your word was for this last year? Or is it a secret? Yes. No, it's not a secret. It was um, it was release, mm. which which I take time on New Year's Eve. I go on a personal outing, kind of a retreat day myself, and I kind of look through the year through the lens of release and see how it showed up. And you know, it always it shows up in the way that I thought it might as the word came, and then always in unexpected ways as well. And so. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to seeing what this new word will be and if it's a response to the word release, a continuation mm-hmm. of the story. That makes sense. Mine for this last year, and I even talked about this in the last episode, uh, was embody. And yeah. uh, mine for this next year is deepen, deeper. Um, so, yeah, more to talk about next like time. Well, shall we embody this season um, with a benediction ascending off Please. as we seek to live into Christmas tide, the time at hand. Let's. As you've heard these past two episodes, if you've been listening along, we like to end our, our time, our conversation with a benediction, a blessing, a prayer for us and a prayer for you. And in reflecting over the Christmas season and the theme of light, 
there was a particular verse that came to mind. And so it's a short verse, and I'm just going to repeat it a few times to let it sink in, and we'll tell you the reference and put a link as well so you can you can find it on your own. But I'd like to invite you to engage with this verse in a few ways. First would be memorization. It is so short, I think, after I've read it a few times, you'll have it memorized. And so that is one way that it can accompany you during the Christmas season. And then through meditation, once you have it called to mind, there, you know, I know that Christmas comes with bright times and also chaotic times as well. And so let this be a phrase that you call to mind as you need recentering and guidance. And then the third way I'd love for you to engage with this verse and no need to do all if if that seems like too much to you, just choose which appeals most to you, would be through the practice of Lexio Divina. And Lexio Divina is Latin for sacred reading, and it's an ancient practice of a way of encountering the scriptures through the practice of prayer and in the presence of God. And so you can find a how-to on that at my website, asacredjourney.net slash Lexio, that's spelled L-E-C-T-I-O. Some people also say Lectio. And I'm going to just give you a quick outline here. There's four steps, and the first is reading. And so you read through, or as you will be here, listen to the passage. And the second step is meditate. Focus on, as Christine Walters Paintner, whom I referenced earlier with the Give Me a Word course, she likes to say, what shimmers? And so as you listen, trust that, that God will bring something to the surface for you and pay attention to that word. And then the third step is to pray, to bring that to God, to have a conversation and express curiosity about why that stood out for you and what, what message God has for you in that. And then the fourth step is to, to contemplate, to rest in the presence of this moment, of this word, of what God has for you and to find a place of stillness so that you can carry that with you into the days ahead. The verse I'm going to be reading is found in John chapter 1, and it's verse 15. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1.15 May these words guide you into the light that the season of Christmas brings. Thanks for being a part of this conversation with us. We've loved hearing from you how you're experiencing these episodes and what's coming up for you. And if you're new or if you haven't shared your experiences with us, please do. 
join us in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash sacred ordinary days tribe or you can join us on social media using the hashtag sacred ordinary days tell us what your Christmas celebration is like how did your family celebrate when you were growing up how are you living with grace and the tension between old traditions and new other people's expectations and your own your present reality and your hope And do you celebrate Christmas for 12 whole days? Does it feel like a dare and a challenge to you like it does to us? What are you hoping to try? You'll hear from us again on Wednesday, January the 6th, as we mark the Feast of Epiphany. Be sure to subscribe to Sacred Ordinary Days podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'd be honored to have you leave us a review on iTunes. Last week, I shared with our tribe and email and in the Facebook group that I selected one of our reviewers to get either a planner or our prayer labyrinth letterpress art print. And this week, Lacey will be randomly choosing one of the reviews that we get between this episode's release and the next one. And she'll be giving away either her perpetual wall calendar or one of her prints. And if there are more than 10 reviews, we're going to give away a few more things. We really appreciate you taking the time there. For more resources on the liturgical calendar and spiritual formation, join me at sacredordinarydays.com and Lacey at asacredjourney.net. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm.